we need to say we're done. So today we're reading Gunman's Rendezvous, a Western Trio, book one, Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand. Max Brand. Max Brand. Yeah. But you want to do the whole the whole today, book? Today we're reading... Well, you want to do Gunman's Rendezvous or Gunman's just Bluff. Gunman's Bluff? Yeah, part one of Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand. Part, yeah, part, yeah. part, part one of Gunman's Trio by Max Brand. Oh, they're not they're not uh, a series. They're all separate stories. Like okay. they're from they're from right. old serials. Cool. But they're not. All the right. three we'll stories talk, aren't related. We'll, we'll talk about that later. So just say Gun, Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand. Okay. Today we're reading Gunman's Bluff. Part one. Oh wait, no, no, no. All right. Why is this the hard part? <laughs> no script. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're reading Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand. Dope. Part one. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> part one. Leave that shit in there. Part Dope. Part one. Dope. <laughs> Today we're reading Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand. Part one. Of what good is a hamstrung horse, or a blind dog, or a hawk with clipped wings? And when the right hand of a gunfighter has lost its cunning, the right hand, that almost thinking brain, freedom and hope are gone from the victim. That is what Dr. Walter Lindis was thinking as he examined the big fellow who had come in half an hour before and asked a little uneasily for treatment. He sank his fingertips into the strands of muscle that sprang from the base of the man's neck and ran in broad elastic bands over the shoulder. At the point just above the shoulder blades where the muscles curved from back to front like the grip of a many-fingered hand, the doctor encountered the gristle of scar tissue and felt the flesh shrink from his grasp. He looked hastily up into the brown face of his patient and saw that the smile persisted on the lips of this young man, but that the eyes had grown suddenly stern. The patient had stripped to the waist for this examination, and the pain had been sufficient to make his belly muscles pull in and his chest expand a little. How did you get this? asked the doctor. Hunting accidents, said the patient. Rifle bullet? Yes. The other fellow was careless? Yes. Those things happen. I would have said, though, that the other fellow had been careless with a forty-five caliber Colt. Hmm? The youth said nothing. His calm blue eyes moved without meaning across the face of Dr. Lindis, then journeyed through the window and over the roofs of the houses of the town, through the shimmer of the heat waves that made the mountains tremble in the distance. Dr. Lindis ran exploring fingertips through the lower muscles of the arm. Even above the elbow they were firm, below it they twisted into a beautiful tangle of whipcord. Lindis stepped back. In addition to the scar on the right shoulder, he saw a long white streak over the left ribs. Another hunting accident, he asked. Had a fall from a pigeon bronc. The doctor walked around his man. Across the left shoulder blade was white zigzag, inches long. It was a very old wound. And this, another fall from a horse, he asked, touching the place. I suppose so. Out of sight, out of mind, then, asked the doctor. That's it. The doctor permitted himself to smile. He faced the man again. Mr. Jones, he said, does this right arm feel a bit numb? Yes. Tingling now and then as though the muscles were asleep? Yes. Anything else you can say about it? No. It's just this damned left-handed feeling that's come into it. 
I've got two left hands and that's no good. Particularly for you, Mr. Jones. I mean, for a fellow who runs into so many accidents. Mr. Jones said nothing. From the beginning of the interview, he had said little. He seemed to be one who looked first and spoke afterward. Now his blue eyes turned almost gray with light as they thrust into the mind of Dr. Lindis. There's a big nerve up here, said the doctor, indicating on his own arm. It branches out here. That nerve has been injured. How long will the right hand be crippled, asked Jones. I don't know, said Lindis slowly. He saw that he had struck a heavy blow, but the lips of Mr. Jones continued to smile. The shock appeared in his eyes only. You don't know how long it will take to fix me up? Sorry, my friend, I really can't tell. Perhaps you mean, doctor, that I'll never get that arm back in shape. The doctor drew in a very long and soft breath. Out here on the range, he was accustomed to handling big, powerful men, but he had never seen a specimen like this youth. Strong as a bull, but looking swift as a deer also. His head was magnificent, too, and it was carried with the lofty pride of an unbeaten champion. That was why the doctor had to pause a moment before he said, No, I don't mean that. The arm may get all right in time. It ought to improve, anyway. Give it a lot of massaging, though, up here. Dig into these muscles. Dig right in and work on them every day. It'll hurt, but it ought to do you good. Patience and time, they work wonders. Instead of getting better, it may get worse, asked Jones. Why no, I hope not. Of course it won't get worse, I hope. You think it's a bust, insisted Jones. Go on and let me have it in between the eyes. The doctor was sweating profusely. Injured nerves are serious things. They have to be cared for, worked over, and even then one cannot always tell. He put his hand on the big bare arm of the youth and looked at the stone white of his face. My God, old fellow, I'm sorry. That's all right, said the young man who had said his name was Jones. If I were you, continued the doctor hastily because he was moved to the heart by the cheerful calm of his patient, if I were you, I would start at once turning my left hand into a right hand. I started spending hours every day in attempting to make the brain hitch up a straighter wire to the left hand. I'd keep on working with the right, too. I'd never give up hope. But I'd even start trying to write left-handed. It can be learned. Jones was pulling on his undershirt. He straightened it, dragged it over the thick blue flannel outer shirt that served also as a coat, except in the most bitter winter weather. Now that he was dressed and had retied the bandana about his throat, he looked a trifle less formidable. The narrowness of his hips belied the real weight and power of those shoulders, once the shirt obscured their bulging muscles. One might have almost described this man as tall and slender. He picked up his belt, last of all, and buckled it on. It hung loosely, canting high on the left thigh and low over the right, with the time-polished holster of the colt hanging low, convenient to the touch of his hand. As his fingers brushed across the worn leather now, he turned that hand palm up and stood there silently, looking down as though he were seeing it for the first time. It's just a wooden leg, you might say, suggested Mr. Jones in a soft and pleasant voice. Then he added as cheerfully as ever, What do I owe you, Dr. Lindis? Three dollars, said the doctor. How about that shit? Mm -hmm. You want to pay the mortgage?
Ah, uh, more than that, I guess. Five dollars would be closer, wouldn't it? Asked Jones. He pulled out a wallet that he had began to unfasten, but the fingers of his right hand kept fumbling and stumbling and slipping on the strap. He made another very brief pause and looked at that hand again. The smile never failed to curve his lips slightly, but in the eyes there was a sort of frightened agony. Then, left-handed, he opened the wallet and gave the doctor a bill. The doctor frowned. I wanted to add a little bit more advice, he said huskily. Go right ahead, partner, invited Jones. The weather around here, uh, it may not be right for that arm of yours, said the doctor. Summer or winter, it would hardly do for you. I'd go someplace where the altitude is less, and the extremes of temperature are not so great. Young Jones was looking fixedly at him, searching his mind until finally the doctor broke out. I'd go somewhere else, where there aren't so many martins around. One of those pregnant silences continued for a moment. You know me, Dr. Lindis? asked the man who had said his name was Jones. I know you, Cheyenne, said the doctor. You knew me all along, he asked. No, but an idea about you kept building in me. And all at once I knew. If you stay around here, the Martins will certainly get you. They'll never forgive you for the killing of Danny Martin and the shooting of Chuck. They asked for it. What was I to do? The doctor brushed away philosophical considerations. That's all right, he said. But there are other things. If the Martins got another mob and pulled you down, public opinion would probably call it self-defense. But uh, because I'm Cheyenne? Because some folks call me a gunman, is that it? You've put a long life into mighty few years, remarked Lindus. It's really been a quiet life, answered Cheyenne, except for some people's foolish talk. It seems to me that I can remember a good many times when your life wasn't so quiet. There was that affair over the Tollivers. I was just a kid and I got excited when the three of them began to put the pressure on me. There was Rip Morgan. Rip was a bad hombre, and I was young enough to feel that I ought to get myself a little reputation. What did I hear about LaRue? He was only a Canuck, said Cheyenne. And there were two men over in Tombstone, and some others here and there. One of those in Tombstone was a crooked gambler, but I'm not arguing. I just wanted to tell you that it's been pretty quiet life, and I've lived by punching cows, not by shooting men. Nevertheless, said the doctor, if you'll take my advice, you'll disappear out of this part of the country before some of your enemies find out that you've only got one left hand. At this, Cheyenne glanced out of the windows, and the doctor saw the softening of his eyes as they rested on the majestic heights of the nearby mountains. You love your range, Cheyenne, is that it? Well, I've had old Smokey and some of those other mountains in my eye all my life, Doc. You'll have to take them out. You'll have to go somewhere and get used to a new landscape for a while, till you're cured. Cured, said Cheyenne. And he smiled suddenly at the doctor in a way that brought a lump into the throat of Lindus. You're right, went on Cheyenne. I've got to get out, and I'm going to. Thanks, Doc. He went to the door, put on his hat with his right hand, pulled it down with the left. So long, Doc, he said. Good luck to you, Cheyenne, said the doctor anxiously. This kid, Juan, it's pretty homoerotic. Dude, a lot of these stories it's are pretty homoerotic. Yeah. 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 Tell you what. Talk about the narrowness of his hips. Mm -hmm. Strong and fucking yeah. powerful yeah. upper body. Definitely. I've found that to be a reoccurring thing.